Hello, this is Bridget Lyons, and I'm the founder of Podcast Ally. Usually you hear these how to pitch a podcast interviews hosted by all the members of our pitch team because they're the ones who work with the host day to day. But I know today's guest from the time when her agency ran our own social media accounts. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to chat with her today. I kind of called her when we were looking at who you wanted to invite. So that guest is Andrea Jones, and she's the host of the Savvy Social Podcast. The podcast is dedicated to helping passion-led entrepreneurs and business owners learn to use social media as a tool to grow their businesses. On the podcast, Andrea helps you understand both the how and the why of the social media marketing so you can create connections, build community, and make a difference in the world. Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is going to be a fun conversation. Yes, totally. Before we get into the do's and don'ts of pitching your podcast, I always like to start with some context. So can we take it all the way back to 2018, the beginning when you started your show and what inspired you to create Savvy Social back then? Yes, I have a history in creating YouTube videos. I started creating YouTube videos in 2007 and I always had used that as a part of my business. When I started in 2014, it made sense to continue creating YouTube videos just for my business instead of for my I had a lifestyle blog, I had a fashion blog. Um, so it made sense at the time. Um, but I started getting super busy with work and I had an, an increase of clients who also had podcasts. And so that was my deep dive into the world of podcasts. And I said, this sounds way easier than a YouTube video. I don't have to put on makeup and get on camera. Yes, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. For me, it was just a logical next step into my content creation process was to create a podcast. I personally find it much easier than YouTube videos. And I quickly wanted to learn the ins and outs of podcasting so that I could better support my clients. I dabbled very briefly in YouTube as well, probably around the same time frame. And yeah, I remember all too well, like trying to set up your own camera in your office. Do you do multiple takes? You try to get it all in one take. It was such a disaster. I gave up really, really quickly. So <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. And YouTube, I found was such a heavy lift for me and I still struggle to be consistent with it. Whereas with podcasting, I'm actually very consistent. I've only missed a few weeks in the four years now that I've been recording. I've only ever missed a few episodes. Where with YouTube videos, I always felt like I was on and off where I would go really hard and like batch record and make all these videos. And then there'd be months where I wouldn't make videos because it's just so much work. So for me, the podcast is like a really approachable way for me to continue to create content. I love that. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you that this leads in perfectly is, has your approach to producing the podcast or the kinds of content that you're doing on the show evolved since you started? Because, you know, you've had some experience under your belt. So I'm wondering if there's anything you've learned that's influenced how you do the show now. Yes. I used to script out the entire episodes. <laughs> um, I remember that for the first 10, 15 episodes, I wrote all the scripts and all the questions I would ask my guests. And it was a lot of work. And I found that just using outlines was a lot better for me. So that definitely evolved over the years where 
I now have a set of questions that I pretty much ask every guest the same set of questions because they produce really great conversations for the show. And then even for the solo episodes, I find that if I give myself an outline, talk about this story here, the conversation's much more organic than me reading a script. So that's the biggest thing that changed over the years for me. And then the second thing would be getting my team involved. Having an editor, producer of the show helps me stay consistent because if I have to edit it, I'm going to be behind forever. Like It's just not fun for me. So those are the two biggest shifts that have happened over the years. And we're at, I think, 225 episodes now. Yeah. And I imagine those solo shows, because that's always been intimidating to me, probably get easier over time, especially if you started YouTube, it was probably easy to do a solo audio in comparison to the video. So maybe you had an edge there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we did add in video over the years as well, but even recording a podcast still feels more like a conversation. Whereas a YouTube video, you have to be quick with it. It's got to have a hook. It's got to have a point one, point two. Add this on the screen. And I feel like with podcasts, even the solo episodes feels like I'm just talking to a friend and we're just hanging out. And I just love that vibe. I love that. And that definitely comes through. Like you definitely have a structure. You introduce your points and then you talk through them. You did one about how Instagram and social media engagement is down a little bit. And you've had points that were really clear things you wanted to hit. So I imagine you outline those out and then riff through the rest what comes up as you're going through that. Absolutely. Yes. And I find that the episodes where I'm already talking about these things with my clients and with my students, it's the most helpful for me to then bring those to the podcast because they're not new conversations for me. So it does feel more natural of a conversation because I've, I've said all of this before in some way or another. But yes, I do outline. I just use a Google Doc. I just put my little notes in there, like what I want to say. And yeah, I just, I go from there. One of the things that I noticed is that you are masterful at integrating the themes you're doing with your business into the podcast. So there was an episode where you're just mentioning, oh, and by the way, this is what we're covering in the Savvy Social School this month. <laughs> and so you do it through ads, you do it through casual drop-ins to your episodes. And I'm wondering, like, how far in advance are you planning out your episodes and how intentional is all that? Does your business schedule influence your podcast schedule? How does that work? Yes. And we're getting even more intentional with this in 2023, but we plan out our launches about 12 months out. So I have pretty much all of 2023 planned out and we're recording this in October of 2022. So I start with what are the key events that we're going to have in our business? And because the agency side is pretty self-sufficient, we really only do one launch a year for new clients. The rest of the time it's for our program, the Savvy Social School, which is our student. So that's our focus for the podcast. And we do a launch every other month. So we give ourselves a month break to plan for the next launch. So I kind of know the six weeks leading up to a launch, what's going to happen. And I do try to plan episodes around those topics. So for instance, in January every year, we do a LinkedIn challenge. So leading up to that, probably three or four episodes will be about LinkedIn. So I do try to plan things around. It doesn't always work that way, though. I ran into challenges when I took maternity leave this year. So I recorded probably like 
25 episodes so that I could take time off from work. And things happened in social media where some of my episodes were a little dated because I did pre-record a bunch of them. It doesn't always work to like be so far ahead, but for the most part, I do try to plan them ahead. And then I do try to record them about two to three weeks before we release the episode. And you do a mix of solo episodes and guest interviews. And I'd say there's more solo episodes on your show, at least right now. Do you try to integrate the guests you're bringing in to that schedule? What influences if you want to have a guest on that you're interviewing versus doing something solo? Yes. The guest episodes are my favorite ones because I love talking to other people and picking their brains on how they manage social media because social media is so challenging, especially now. So I want to see what other business owners are doing. So they're so fun. I don't have a particular approach to themes when it comes to guests. Usually I do try to space out different topics. So I wouldn't have two guests back to back who are both talking about TikTok, for instance. But other than that, I'm really looking for great stories. So sometimes they're aligned. Like I recently interviewed Jeremy Enns of Podcast Marketing Academy, and it was aligned with his launch. I'm an affiliate of his program. So we do try to align them sometimes, but most of the time I'm just like, oh, this is an interesting person. Let's bring them on the show. I love that. I love that you like doing them so much too. Yeah, I did notice that the balance was more toward the solo, which is a trend I'm really seeing with podcasts, even that used to be almost predominantly guest focused where I think hosts just want to have a little bit more of their voice coming out. Like there's a point where you have guests and you're like, wait a minute, where, where's the space for my, <laughs> my insights in this? Yeah, exactly. I recently had to not produce an episode for the first time because the guest's opinion was so different from what we teach on the show that I couldn't in good faith release the episode. So that's also a challenge with guests is sometimes they can go rogue and say things where you're like, oh, I don't actually want this on my show. So that is why we're switching to more solo episodes these days is because it is really challenging to find guests who align with our vision and approach for the show. Okay, I wanna put a pin in that for a second and give folks some context and then I'm gonna come back to it because we were talking about a question that some folks have been asking me, which is, I want to know how many downloads these podcasts you're talking to are getting. So let's go there to like, let people know how many listeners you have and talk a little bit more about how many listeners you have in the profile of the listener. And then maybe we can talk a little bit more about the guests because the guests are all about the listener. And so I want to give people that context of, okay, we know you're teaching people social media. Who are these people exactly? And uh, how many of them are there at this point? Yes. Yeah, so the podcast gets about 10 to 12,000 downloads a month. Oh, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so we've been working very hard on this show. I would say new episodes probably get about 1500 downloads right when they launch. And then the rest is evergreen. So people go back and listen to our back catalog, which has over 200 episodes now, which is wild. The type of people who listen to the show the largest segment is business owners, usually online business owners who are coaches, consultants, service-based business owners learning how to use social media for themselves. And then we do have a smaller segment of the audience who are professionals in the social media space. They're social media managers, whether they own their own business or agency or whether they work in-house for an agency or a brand, they're learning how to use social media for their clients on their clients' behalves. That's the demographic of our listenership. I would say what sets us apart a little bit from other shows as well 
is our approach to social. It's not necessarily post all of the things all of the time. We're very mindful in how we structure social media. I'm a huge fan of not having notifications and not living on Instagram all day and having a system in place to support social so that you can actually run your business and live your life. So I would say our listeners appreciate that approach as well. Yeah. One of your more recent as we're recording this episodes is the one on quiet quitting, which I thought was so interesting because quiet quitting is a trend where people show up to work and kind of do their job. They don't do extra. They don't go above and beyond. And you're sort of relating that concept to a social media approach where you don't do more and more on social media just because you feel like you have to, you do what's necessary to get you to your goal. And I love that framing. And I think that of course it's going to appeal to a business owner with a million things to do, but we do get caught up in this feeling of we need to do more to get better results. And that's not true usually in just about any aspect of running a business. More does not always equal better. In fact, it can equal burnout and feelings of, I want to quit this forever, which then <laughs> really tank your business. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I do find that it's easier now than ever to, to slip into that, like, I need to do more mentality because there is more. Instagram, for instance, has a dozen different places you can post content. Is it a reel? Is it a, is it a carousel? Is it a story? And people feel like they have to do all of those things. My hope is that with my show, I can show them how to choose the thing that will work for them and not have to show up in all of those places all of the time. I love that. So I can imagine then if a guest shows up and talks about the way you need to show up on TikTok, for example, have this guidance given, like you need to be showing up three to four times a day, every single day. Somebody came up with a strategy like that. You'd be like, whoa, 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 this isn't a fit. Are there any other? Absolutely not. Like <laughs> somebody pitches you or approaches you the topic where you're like, you're not understanding our editorial framework. You're not understanding our audience at all. What are those red flags? Yes, I love that you use the TikTok example because even just as you said it, my body went, oh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> like I, <laughs> That's not for me and it's not for my people. That's definitely aligned. Anyone who talks about being on all of the social media platforms all at once, that's very challenging for a lot of people and you need a team to be able to do that. Anyone who also speaks more to the influencer side of social media. So we're very business focused. Not a lot of our listeners would consider themselves influencers, meaning they make money predominantly based on how many views they get on their content. So anyone who's crossing over into that space may not be a good fit. A lot of our business owners actually don't want to post their whole life on social media. So we have a lot of conversations around that. Yeah. Those are the ones that come to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes people get confused with the difference between using social media as a business and then as an influencer business model, which is an entirely separate Thing. And I think a lot of the influencer stuff sort of creeps into our business marketing without us even understanding why or how it's influencing us. Yeah. And it's so prevalent because that's what we see other people doing, right? We admire and we look up to certain people in the business world and it looks that way. They kind of have this influencer vibe, but I can tell you firsthand because these are our clients that 
that post that looks like, oh, they just snapped a shot in their office. That was planned months ago. <laughs> they have a whole team behind them coming up with ideas. They have photographers and videographers. And one of the things we've been talking about in the agency recently as well is a lot of our clients want it to look organic and natural. We just thought to say this, but it's definitely planned. So anyone that we bring on the show really falls within that vibe, which is we are here because we have a business that we're running. We typically have something we're selling like services or products. So how do we show up on social media in a way that promotes those things without doing the most? I'm interrupting this episode because I know you're here because you want to leverage podcast interviews. Maybe you're looking to grow your network or bringing new leads, or maybe you've been invited on a podcast and you're looking to get more intentional and proactive with reaching out to podcasts to suggest yourself as a guest. And most likely you're listening because you're looking for some help. Either you want some help with your messaging or just brainstorming the right podcast to reach out to. Well, you're in the right place, my friend. Our podcast planning intensives mean you don't have to do it alone. They're led by senior members of our pitch team who are working with podcasts every single day. And me, which means you get two extra brains working on your podcast outreach and the programming. We'll work with you to identify which podcasts will bring you closer to your goals and write up your own personal pitch scripts for those shows. We'll help you put together a plan to leverage every interview, and we'll give you the context you need to book those interviews. Plus, we support you as you start that outreach process. Sound like a dream? Come on over to podcastally.com forward slash VIP to learn more about our podcast planning intensives and to get the help you're looking for. That's podcastally.com forward slash VIP, where you can find all the info and book an intensive. Now, let's get back to the show. I was thinking that you have this really cool opt-in, something I've never really seen before, and it's your Savvy Social Podcast Listening Guide. And I'm wondering if I were trying to really get a sense of what you're trying to do with your podcast, I imagine going to get that guide would probably be like a cheat sheet, but tell me if that's right. And then I want to know more about the backstory about this because I've never seen anything like this before. I'm just so intrigued about why you decided to create it. Yes. Oh, I got this idea from one of my clients, the Life Coach School. They have a podcast guide for their podcast. And when I worked with them in 2018 and 2019, we were obviously creating content around this guide because they have so many podcast episodes. And so we looked at our podcast this year and said, how do we get people to listen to our back? catalog because there's so many episodes. So that's where the podcast guide idea came from. Totally snagged it from one of my clients. But the idea is that if you want to listen on a specific platform, let's say you want all the episodes on Instagram, well, we're going to put some of the top episodes in this guide, or let's say you want to get back to basics and you just want to understand what's Andrea's approach to social media. Well, we've got all of those episodes or specifically if, if you're an industry person, so you work in social media in some way, we occasionally release episodes for social media managers. So it's a really good place to start because then they're all collected there and you don't have to scroll back through 200 plus episodes to find what you're looking for. That is so, so genius. So when I used to teach how to pitch traditional media, one of the things that I would teach is, let's say you want to be in a magazine. 
the number one thing you should do before you pitch that magazine is go look at the table of contents and look at the section headers and see what are their standard sections. Because every page of a magazine has a standard section or content theme that it's going to fill, whether it's like a longer essay, a how-to, a this or that, all the different kinds of things we're used to seeing in magazines. And your podcast listening guide is almost like a hack for people like us to go like, okay, what are the major themes of your podcast? So if I'm going to pitch a guest, I can think about these are the themes that you guys really care about to fit into. So that puts my old school PR brain into hyperdrive seeing something like that. Ah, I love that. That's brilliant. Actually, I'm going to think about that too for how we put the guide together. It's really our core topics and belief systems so that other people who are pitching the podcast can fully understand the show. That's brilliant. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever want to pitch a magazine, I highly recommend it. Even online, like the digital version, you can look at the menus. So we used to do a lot of ghostwriting for our clients who wanted to be like fast company and entrepreneur and things like that. And we would go and see like, what are the sections? What are the feature headings? Which one of those? And then when you pitch, you like pitch that specifically. So <laughs> getting a little off topic here, but you're triggering years and years of experience working in that space. For the listeners, we don't do that anymore. We only work with podcasts because podcasts have a much better ROI for business owners, usually than traditional media, but that's the background that I come from. Brilliant. I love it. All right. Let's bring it back. I'm curious how many pitches you get in a given week or a given month for those guest spots that you have. How many people are approaching you? We probably get about three to five pitches a week. And we do have a form set up on our website. So on our podcast page, at the bottom of the page, there is a form that folks can fill out. And it really helps us filter through potential guests. And even if someone reaches out, besides you, Bridget, because I know you, if you reach out, I'm like, this guest is great. Yes. <laughs> but a lot of people just copy and paste their pitch. And so the form forces them to actually be customized for our show. And we can tell the people who still copy and paste into the form. So that really helps us, but we still get three to five of those per week. And even if they email us or fill up our, our contact form instead of this form, we're pointing them back. We need you to fill out this specific podcast guest form. <laughs> and I love that you do that. When people complain about the amount of pitches they receive, that's one of my biggest pieces of advice because I have heard people say, I don't like getting pitches. And I'm like, okay, but if Brene Brown's publicist reached out to you, would you really say I don't take guest pitches? The, the fact of the matter isn't that you don't ever want great guests to approach you. It's that you want to weed out those low effort people who are spamming everyone, right? So you can get that occasional diamond that makes sense. And I think a form like that, that has filters that your team can apply really easily to say, this is a match or this isn't, or this person is low effort. It's just a really great way to weed that down. Cause I'm sure if you didn't have that form, your volume might even be higher. People weren't going to take the effort to do it are immediately going to be filtered out. And then it's probably so easy for whoever reviews this on your team to do a first pass of, are they actually answering my questions? When I train new team members, sometimes that's something I have to drill with them. It's, you're not actually answering the question in front of you. You're kind of spinning it, but there's a definitive question here. You have to answer it. You, you have to address what's being asked. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's why we do the form because some people, probably someone's assistant is just pasting in something. And as we talked about, the show has a very specific vision and a very specific type of guest that we look for. So we want the best stories for our show. So yep, that I think we would get way more pitches if we didn't have that form because I do think it slows down some people. Are there any sort of pet peeves you have about people pitching you or the kinds of things that they might do? So I guess it had to the form stage, right? So they've got to like answer the questions, but is there anything else that shows up where you're like immediately no? Yes. So outside of the form, we still get emails. And the thing that annoys me the most is like, I feel like I'm on some sort of auto email list where they sent one email and we say, great. We have a, we have a response. Great. Thanks for this email. Please fill out this form. But then there's like multiple emails after that, where you can tell they didn't read my first response. <laughs> That's kind of like, okay, never mind. No. And then people who fill out the form and they don't address social media at all. So one of the questions on the form is, what is your most powerful social media example or something like that or social media result? Because we want to tell stories about people's social media and they just copy and paste how they made a million dollars in their business. And it's like, great. The question was social media, not your business success. So those are immediate no's as well. And we get that all the time, even from people who I pitch and I go, I want you on the show, but if they can't answer that one question in the form, then I don't know how they're going to answer more questions on the podcast. So anytime we get that, that sort of templated response that doesn't answer the question, it's an immediate no for me. Oh man. I bet in a lot of cases too, that comes from a person who just, maybe they follow you on Instagram or they know your podcast in general. And they're just like, God, I'd love to be on Andrea's show, but they're not doing that research to figure out like, okay, wait a minute, (laughs) what are the content buckets? Where do I fit? I do think sometimes people get starstruck and then all of the critical thinking around content sort of goes out the window sometimes on those occasions. So I'm sure some of that is happening. Some of it's laziness from certain people. Some of it's an assistant who hasn't been trained. And some of it, I think it's a little starstruck behavior. Yeah. And you know, we even try to support this at the time leading up to the interview. So let's say we get a great pitch, comes in, we accept it, or we reach out to someone. Before the interview, we send them a brief that has the questions you could be asked. Here's what the shows about. And some people even don't read that too, because I think maybe they're too busy or the assistant lost it or whatever. So I have had a few times where they don't look at that brief until we're literally on the call together and they skim it and go, oh, I can't answer these questions. (laughs) That brief has saved us too, where it's like, this is the direction of the show. If this isn't something you're comfortable with, then let's save everybody's time right now. That's so, so, so brutal. Let's flip it around. Is there anything that really stands out to you or is there any guest that you're like, oh my God, when they approached me, it was just like bells were chiming. I knew they had to be on and what stood out to you in that pitch. I'd love to know a good example because we hear bad ones so often (laughs) if you have a good one. Okay. There are two that stick out to me. The first pitch, and I don't remember if this was a pitch for a podcast episode specifically, but Tarzan K sent me a video and I know her, but she still sent me a loom video, like a custom, Hey, Andrea, I listened to the savvy social podcast. Here's what I can contribute to your show. (laughs) And it was so unique 
that I was like, whoa, okay, you clearly did your homework. You made a custom video. It wasn't like a video you sent to everybody because you said my name in it. And it felt like someone who genuinely is interested in showing up on the show. And I believe she did a podcast episode and then we ended up collaborating in other ways after that as well. But that really stood out to me, the custom video. And then a guest interview that stands out to me is Tara McMullen, who I don't remember if you pitched her to me. God, I think I did right after we met at She Podcast. I sent you a note. Wow. That would have been a while ago, <laughs> a couple of years ago. It was a while back. Yeah, a couple of years ago. But that was still one of my favorite interviews to this day. And I think I brought her on back again recently since then. Because of the intentionality behind a lot of how she runs her business, she gives incredible thought to all aspects of her business. And so even though her expertise isn't social media, she's a business coach or former business coach. I'm not sure what she's doing now, but she gives so much thought to her social media strategy that it was very easy for me to ask questions and just let her to explain why she does what she does. And it's not the exact way I would do it, which is why I love having guests on the show. I want to show other people's perspectives and approaches. And it was just such a beautiful, super easy conversation for me because she had thought about it beforehand. So that, that really stands out for me. Yeah. And I think that's a great example of somebody who's aligned with your approach, but maybe on a tactical level or her workflow level is doing something different than you might be doing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. That kind of takes me back to that editorial work where the media is always saying they want something different. And that's not really true. If you go into the newsstands in the fall, everything's about pumpkins and fall decorating and cozy recipes and all this stuff. What they want is a twist on that topic they've covered before, but they don't want you to go in and suggest something completely out of the field, like spring cleaning in the fall, right? They want something in those topics and podcasts are the same. You want people aligned, but you don't want necessarily to hear the echo chamber of the same ideas every time. Yeah, that is so true because there are so many different ways to approach social media. And so my goal with my guests is to show those different ways because I really, truly don't believe there is like a cookie cutter, one size fits all thing to do here. I'm actually working on this concept even more for my clients. There's this ebb and flow of social media where we literally can't show up a hundred percent all the time. And I think that showing people who live that way and showing people who approach social media that way is super powerful to just show here's how one person does it. And here's how another person does it. They're both equally successful and you can choose how to do this thing for yourself. I love this. And I think this is a great place to wrap because we've gotten a little mini education on social media. If any of us need encouragement to slow down a little bit which has been great on top of the do's and don'ts for approaching you if somebody does want to be a guest. So as a little bit of a wrap up, I know that you have a special invitation that you wanted to share to your free social media strategy course. And I've got to believe there's people like, wait, give me more of this, please. And they can go grab that at onlinedrea.com forward slash free. And it's online drea.com forward slash free. Do you want to describe a little bit of what folks will get there? Yes. I like to consider this course as 
the Costco sample size version of our programming. So it's like that little cheese and cracker where you go, "Mm, this is delightful. I want to buy the whole thing. So we want to give you something super tasty that you can munch on. A lot of things that you can think about with regards to your social strategy. How do you block out your time? What kinds of content should you be posting? How much time should we spend on this? How do we grow our audiences? How do we measure if this is working? And then we also have some done for you posts in there, some captions, some graphics where you can just snag them and go. So our goal is to give you something super tasty, but also show you what it's like to work with us. So you can, yeah, definitely grab that for free and just enjoy the sample if you'd like. I know a lot of people like to just go to Costco, eat the samples. We are here for those people too. Um, So yeah, you can check it out at onlinedrea.com slash free. I love that. And thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. For our listeners, I highly recommend that you subscribe to Savvy Social and you can grab that podcast on any player of your choice, or you can find all the episodes and that listening guide I mentioned on Andrea's website, which again is onlinedrea.com. 